welcome back to the Everybody Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Reno. After a long hiatus, which involved me moving across the country three times, I finally got my feet under me, which is perfect timing as Stan Anderson returns to discuss the sticky situation of the U.S. men's national team. Stan, of course, is the goalkeeper director for FC United, as well as the owner and founder of Camp Shutout, the world's biggest goalkeeper camp in the country, excuse me, the world. Uh, they're currently nearing capacity for the Wisconsin-based camp. So if you or someone you know uh, is a youth goalkeeper looking to elevate their game, I suggest taking a look at Camp Shutout. You've got coaches from all, all over the country working in an environment that best suits the individual. If you're brand new to the position or maybe you're looking to play professionally, Camp Shutout has accommodated every level of youth goalkeeper over the past decades and continues to do so uh, moving forward here. So if that fits for you, suggest taking a look. And unfortunately, I don't get a dime for saying any of that. So that's how you know how legitimate they are. That said, Stan and I discussed the current pecking order with the men's national team after the assumed national team starter, Zach Stefan, had two poor, if not dreadful games back to back. One with the national team against Costa Rica in a 2-0 loss to round out World Cup qualifying, and an, another with Manchester City against Liverpool in the FA Cup semifinal, which was a 3-2 loss. If you haven't watched those highlights, I'd recommend taking a look as we loosely describe the errors, but it might make a little sense if you've seen the games. We then look at the micro and macro of it all, diving into the positives and weaknesses of Stefan's games, as well as problems with the entire iceberg that is American goalkeeping. We cover what happens, uh, what needs to happen going into the World Cup, as well as some other outside-the-box solutions that the internet has been kind enough to throw out there. Lastly, I was kicking myself after the recording for not mentioning Josh Cohen, who has most recently been tied to Atlanta United as a possible replacement for Brad Guzan. But over the past few years, he's been crushing it in the Israeli Premier League with Maccabi Haifa. Logistically, I understand it'd be difficult to integrate a new goalkeeper into the national team scene, so. As we're, close, uh, as we're close to the World Cup here, it doesn't quite make sense. But for me, he des deserves to be in the conversation for a stellar play overseas over the last few years. I, uh, I appreciate the, the gents' uh, yeah. energy. Uh, yeah. Hey, you know, that's what, that's what happens when you get to be number one. You get a target on your back. That's what you get. I guess. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I say today, uh, this podcast for me is probably a response to the panic for the national team fans. Um, obviously, as you and I and anyone that's been following the goalkeeper scene has, has been tracking over the last month or so, there's just this wave of hysteria of not only having distrust in Stefan, but also who's next in line. You've got about 50 different names. I just keep seeing this person, this person, this person. So Stan, why, why don't you catch us up a little bit on where the U.S. men's national team number one position stands uh, at the moment? For me, it's uh, it's it's pretty simple, and I try to keep it simple. Stupid, use the kiss method. Yeah. Um, I think from a performance in that team perspective, and and I think that's important uh, because you know it, it's that's the team that's or the, the, the group that's going to be in the World Cup, you know, give or take some players. But for me, it's simply Turner, Horvath, and Stefan. And then from there, if you're talking a fourth, it's Sean, it's Gaga for the future, it's whoever else you might think for the, for the future, et cetera. But for me, those three have put in the work, and I'll – I don't think it's actually that bold to say that 
Sean and and um, uh, Stefan are not terribly far apart in that role. You know, now people are going to be like, Stefan's the number one, and, and great. You know, that's their opinion. And I've never been shy of being opinionated with you or, or anyone else. <laughs> but Matt Turner was fantastic with the men's national team. Some mistakes. You know, he <clears throat> played a ball poorly. I think it was against Canada that, that sailed on him into the middle of the park. And a couple of touches later, it was in the back of the net. He owned up to it. But the things that, that uh, Zach is supposed to be really good at hasn't been something that he's been really good at or haven't been some things, you know, certainly the feet, but also, you know, a couple exits where it's been pretty casual and a decision to try to catch when maybe a decision to simply carry it along, box it, whatever it may be, instead of trying to catch it and, and leaving it has led to, to goals and it turns that, you know, okay, maybe we get out of our group, maybe, <laughs> but, you know, and, and I, look, I, I was one that, that throughout the whole pandemic was talking to people on, um, on uh, shutout unscripted and talking about not qualifying. And I didn't, I didn't think we were going to qualify. Well, um, to be fair, I mean, we weren't that far off from not qualifying to, I mean, to give you some credit. <laughs> correct. Correct. You know, it was, it was perilously close. And, and uh, you know, I happened to fly to Mexico to watch the game and Zach was relatively untested in that game. And I give credit to a goalkeeper when they're untested because maybe he solved some of the problems, but before they happen, but his distribution in that game wasn't very good. So, you know, even in uncontested situations, it just seems casual. And this is a guy that at 17 years old, I was extremely high on, like off the charts high on this guy, just watching him for 15 minutes, even when, when he was a youngster going, damn, and then coaching against him in college and going, damn, you know, and seeing his ability at the MLS level and then obviously going forward into, uh, into the, uh, the prem. You know, I, I think he's got a, a wild sense of, of athleticism that's unreal. But you've, you've, got to, uh, you've got to put the whole package together. And frankly, I just think at this moment in time, Turner's doing that. I, let, me, let me throw this at you because I'm curious on your thoughts. I think, and you've kind of hit on a little bit, and it kind of depends on person to person how you view it. But his casualness, Stefan talking here, but Stefan's casualness, first and foremost, has obviously been present from day one. I, I would say the, the things that he got praised for at 17, 18, were his composure, his poise, you know, commanding the box. I mean, he, he checked those boxes early. Um, and I'm wondering if he's the type of goalkeeper that can make an error and then the next moment kind of wash it off. Because I look back at the Costa Rica game, for example. So um, that first goal that where he comes out, doesn't clear it real well off, off the kind of flub, kind of catch box, immediately right. makes a big time save off that. He blocks the immediate shot. And then as he's kind of tracking back, I think we got kind of criticized and somewhat fairly for how he kind of jogged it a little bit. Um, you know, for me, it's interesting to see like the big time save there that gets kind of overlooked that like could have easily been a goal because, you know, obviously there's, there's a goal that happens right after that, 
the Liverpool game in the FA Cup against uh, against Liverpool, like same thing, like terrible error in the back of the ball gets played to him. He gets too casual with the ball under his feet. Later in the game, multiple big saves. Um, but you know, and there's a there's kind of a, a goal that gets hit near post off of him that I think is more complex than people want to give it to. But I I'm wondering if he's the type of goalkeeper that can mess up and then keep a stride as opposed to goalkeepers where um, now I, I don't want to say that this is, I think in some sense, this is kind of unfairly followed him, but you look at the 2012 Olympic collapse where Hamid and Johnson split time. That was like a good example, probably the best example I've ever seen of a snowballing of errors or just the whole tournament where it just kind of felt like more and more errors were coming Yep. I'm curious if Stefan can be kind of the counter to that of like, hey, there's going to be a mess up of like, this is going to happen, but the next play he's ready to be there for. You know, I remember that 2012 scenario really, really well. Um, you know, it was just kind of coming on the on the front end of, of uh, Sean had come up to camp shutout and, and uh, done a couple appearances with us up there. And, it, you know, it was fun and all that sort of stuff. And you know, he had a rough go of it in that in that scenario. And uh, Trask was on the bench with that group. I think Caleb was coaching that group. Um, and unfortunately, we didn't get through and we've had a tough time with that with that uh, that <clears throat> event and that platform of, of doing anything in that platform. Um, and so I, I remember that well. My my counter to it would be don't make the mistakes to have to to recover and make this unbelievable save um, because you know we as a as a footballing country want to get to a point that you know Germany is and France is and and others dare I throw Argentina in that mix and Brazil and you know on and on we'd love to be in that in that discussion and we're going to get punished by teams like that if we have a casual exit and drop a ball that's overserved or whatever. And then, you know, they, they punish us on that goal. And then we make three other saves. We're not going to have a chance to, to get the goal back to draw level to then maybe win an extra time or something, you know, um, whatever the scenario, draw it up, put it on, put it in a dream on a chalkboard, put it on the tactics. I don't give it, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I know it's perfectionism is what I'm asking. And I, and I know that's unrealistic, but avoid the mistake. And, and at this level, when you, you know, there is no higher level, um, that's what's being asked. And so, you know, let's say we don't have that. Okay. Well then you, you default to who's doing the best. And Matt, in my opinion, has made mistakes as has Zach. All right. But the, the mistakes have been fewer. They've been less punished and they've not been as egregious, whether it's, in the, the U.S. kit or outside the U.S. kit, most importantly for, for Matt, his play has been extremely stellar in the U.S. kit. And so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that, that uh, people are thinking, maybe they are, that the matches that Matt played were not of unbelievable contention compared to the matches that Zach played. Maybe people do feel that in that last window of three games that we had when it was Costa Rica, Panama, and Mexico, um, you know, what we get four, four points out of the nine. That sounds right. We got a win against Panama. 
We haven't lost against Costa Rica and we drew against Mexico. Um, so we got, you know, four out of nine and qualified by the skin of our teeth. And, you know, I, I think a, a healthy Matt Turner helps us. I don't know if we get the result against Costa Rica, but maybe we don't get a poor exit. You know, I, some other things that, that, you know, the, the distribution and uh, those are things that, yeah, he's a, he's a, not as heralded a goalkeeper, but he's a better goalkeeper in my opinion. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and take the, well, I don't like Zach Steffen then, or I think he's bad or no, I think he's the third best option we have in the United States of America. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. But one what is going to play in the world cup. What do, what do you think about for me, like this kind of a concerning thing, I guess is where I'm sitting on it. But I think if you ask 20 different American you know, men's national team fans, you're probably going to get close to five to seven different options of, I mean, I'll, I'll just run through them real quick of some of names I've heard. So like the ones we've covered so far, we've got the th- big three right now with Turner, Horvath, Stefan, Gaga, obviously in Chicago is getting a lot of buzz. Um, but then you even hear names of like Johnson, Hamid, Stefan Fry, Steve Clark. I would put Brad Stuber in that conversation. I, you know, there's there's a lot of names that are kind of in this like middling mix of like who could maybe crack in. Um, for me, that seems concerning because there just doesn't seem to be a consensus like we've had in the past. Now, don't get me wrong. I think the problem we had with like Friedel and Keller was kind of a good problem of like, you know, that's two high level goalkeepers. That's, you know, we'll take that. But it seems like we have a lot of, I mean, you correct me if this is, if I'm out of line saying this, but I don't get the sense that you're saying Matt Turner is on Friedel and Keller's level. It seems like we have a lot of these goalkeepers in these kind of like B minus to B plus range. Yeah. I mean, Matt hasn't played on four continents like Casey ultimately did. Um, and uh, we'll give a, a, a little nod to Casey here. Oh, and the uh, Casey bobblehead. I love it. Is that correct, <laughs> Casey? That, that's he, correct. he agrees. He agrees. Exactly. So, um, you know, but but look, he's also younger in his in his career right now. And, and you know, Casey played, I think, until he was about 40, uh, yeah. somewhere around there. So, um, and Matt's not, not 40. But... At, at the end of the day, uh, I love me some Steve Clark big time. I uh, love me some Stephen Fry. That save he made last night uh, in the SCCL with a snap head down, it was not an easy ball to manage. Um, you know, Tolivero releases a ball to his left, skips out, and ends up having to make a save, puts it off the end line for a bad ball that he gave out of his hand. That's how you know possibly wet the surface was, or um, dew, or whatever, and playing on turf. That ball that's that's knotted down his percentage, and he's able to 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 keep it to his right, manage it, and then put it clearly wide of the goal. And you know that's that's something that goalkeeper geeks will look at that and go, "Damn, man!" You know, a forward just goes, "Good save, man." You know, and they don't know any different. They just think they just pushed it wide and that it will, you know, it was extremely difficult to do. Um, you know, certainly some others uh, coached against Stuber, uh, Cleveland State. I think it's a, a great shout to him. Um, he had a great college career as well. Uh, won the Horizon League Championship in 2013, 12, sorry. Um, and so, you know, he's a, he's a, a very good goalkeeper as well. 
as is Sean and some of these others. And is it the heyday like Miola, Friedel and Keller and Vinoli before them and Tim maybe after them? Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know that it is, but I think we're getting there. I really do. Um, the one that I feel kind of bad about in all of this discussion is Horvath. You know, it just seems like people just, I don't know, out of sight, out of mind, no publicity or something. And they just kind of go right past them. And um, that guy, all he's done is come in and perform as well for the national team also and perform well, you know, not just the penalty saving against Mexico, but, you know, he's, he's a very, very good goalkeeper. Um, I don't think anybody, anybody else other than kind of those four are going to be in the, in contention for the, for the roles, you know, we've qualifying is done now. So I don't think anything's going to happen as it relates to anybody else other than the Turner Horvath, uh, Stefan and Johnson. You know, I, I, I just, I don't think Stefan Fry is going to get a shot. I'm bummed that, <clears throat> that um, Steve Clark isn't going to get a shot. I don't think Stuber's going to get a shot. I, you know, where are they going to get a shot that, that wouldn't disrupt the side and all that sort of stuff. It's just, you know, I know there's some friendlies, but you've also got to get those guys into the mix to play in those because they're not getting games. Yeah. You know? um, so. Well, I, I, you know, for me, the, this kind of question comes up of like, how deep do the problems run? Because you, you see that classic picture of the iceberg and the, you know, portion of it sticking out of water and a lot of it's underwater. And I kind of wonder about that concept with our goalkeepers, because you look at every goalkeeper that could be in contention and it's different, but I think a, the big thing that kind of runs through it is for one reason or another, they're not going to all be firing in all cylinders. I mean, even Turner, who I, I really enjoyed watching playing, he's now put himself into a backup role with Arsenal. Um, and now he's got some time before that happens, but as the lead up to the World Cup will come, he'll be a backup. Um, and maybe he gets a loan opportunity, you know, who knows. But, you know, for me, it's like we've got a lot of goalkeepers who are struggling for minutes for one reason or another. We've got a lot of goalkeepers that when they do get opportunities that it kind of feels like one step forward, one step back sort of thing. Um, Horvath is a good example. Like he got some minutes and then he got pulled back off that. They went back to Samba at uh, or at Forest. Um, you know, the guy stateside here, like it's tough. You know, they, you'll see goalkeepers win goalkeeper of the year and then they don't get a cap at all, which is kind of crazy to me. Um, and so for me, I'm kind of wondering like how deep does this iceberg kind of go? Is it just limited to, you know, our top three or four guys aren't quite clicking all cylinders or is there something a little bit deeper that's kind of inhibiting our real like kind of ability to not only develop young goalkeepers, but also to get those top guys performing at their highest level. Yeah. I, I think there's probably a lot of different topics related to that discussion that we could go into. Um, and it can relate to, you know, having a, a head of goalkeeping. It can relate to um, analyzing match play. It, it can relate to making sure they're getting match play and, all this sort of stuff, you know, just the reality of, of the position, the position we all love is that you might not get minutes. You know, you just, you just might not, there, there aren't many minutes to go around. There aren't many opportunities to go around. And, you know, there's many reasons that, that people stay, it's a massive trust position and people stay with the, stay with somebody for a long time. I think that, I think that Greg trusts Zach Steffen 
because he's been around him so long. And fair enough. I, I wouldn't begrudge him that, you know, and, and I don't have the I don't have the right to begrudge him that by any means. But I think if you were looking at it just from a purely analytical standpoint and stepping back, it's Matt, it's Matt Turner. But to, to get back on points, I don't know how to necessarily solve the problem and if there is a major problem. I mean, we have now qualified and we didn't qualify with one of the guys I mentioned previously, and that was Tim. So when Tim was there, we didn't qualify. And now we have, you know, and, and so that's a step in the right direction compared to what we had before, which he was a pillar of the, of the, of the program for a long, long time. Tim Howard was, it wasn't all his fault that we didn't qualify. But certainly goalkeepers will take enough, you know, personal blame themselves and blame from others as well and all that sort of stuff. And, and you know, I'm the first to say that legs are the first thing to go. And I think they could have helped him in, in later in his career. But at the end of the day, we've now moved into a scenario. Yes, it was by the skin of our teeth, but we did qualify. We are moving forward. It seems like things are going in the right direction. We might be entering a kind of a, a nice window of success for the men's national team if they're healthy and and able to play etc i'm talking about geo i'm talking about weston i'm talking about all of them that missed many many minutes including horvath sorry including turner um down towards the stretch so i don't know i i, I don't know that there's an answer to to you know why we are where we are, what can be done to correct it, et cetera. Um, it's too big of, a, of an issue for one person because I don't know who the head of U.S. goalkeeping is. I, I don't put it on the guy who's in charge of the goalkeepers on the senior team. Um, so, you know, I, I someone else put me an Eric Water in there, put me a, put me Sarkey, put me somebody in there and that can kind of be a go-to to for standards and, and discussion and, perhaps education and analysis I, you know yeah no i no i think your 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 point of like it's too big for one person i mean i absolutely agree and i think even you look at our front three runners that we've been kind of circling back to for me it's like a very good ex example of like a, it's like a microcosm of the bigger picture so you've got stefan who was like you know this national the youth national team alum and goes for college for a little bit, then leaves early. And then you've got Horvath who like is the Euro kid who like didn't even go to college. And then you've got Turner who went to college all four years and was a nobody for most of his career and then kind of turned it on. So you've got these three very different goalkeepers and then also play style. Like, you know, they're all pretty different in a lot of ways, not to mention the other goalkeepers that are kind of outside looking in. We've got a lot of different paths. We've got a lot of different goalkeepers. We've got a lot of different coaches. We've got a lot of different environments. And it feels to me like this sort of idea of like, oh, it'll just sort itself out. You know, we'll get there. You know, because we have so many options, because we have an unprecedented amount of starting opportunities right now with, we've never had as many professional sides as we've had right now. Um, surely it'll just work out. And that sort of mindset's really troubling to me of just this kind of idea of like, well, we don't really have a national identity. We don't really have a U.S. national goalkeeper director. Um, you know, the youth national teams, like 
you know, so what if like most of those kids don't really like turn out real well down the line? You know, it just seems like a lot of this, like, oh, it, it'll work out. You know, well, surely someone will step up. And for me, like that, that's like the big concern as opposed to you look at those real top nations when it comes to goalkeeping, like they're overflowing with, with problems. You look at like Spain, Germany, England, there's a lot of goalkeepers in those discussions. Um, and they have like the, you know, they have the problem that we had with like Keller and Friedel where it's like, well, we have too many, which that's kind of what you want, you know, if you're going to have a problem. So that's, that's the thing I get kind of concerned about is like, man, I, I think this kind of like open source of like whoever wants to try to solve goalkeeping development, have at it, but like you're going to be working on an island. The, the, the U.S. is not contributing anything to the, to the process. They're not, they're not helping at all. When you put the 19s together and the 17s together, male and female and everything else, there's probably maybe two people in the Federation full-time as it relates to goalkeeping. And that's the guy on the senior team. And I think it's Bill Poole is his name on the women's side. I believe that's, that's his name, Phil Poole or, or Bill Poole. I, I feel bad not having that in front of me. It's on my phone, but um, I believe that's the that's the case in the last name, and he's probably the the full time on the women's side. Um, Phil, and, Phil Cole, that's right. Yeah, Phil. So I, I said Bill. My bad. Um, and you know, those two. That's it. That's all we have. And the, the other guys aren't even full time, so we don't even have somebody pulling. You know, the, there's resources there to have it happen, to have somebody. It doesn't, it, it, to me, it, just, it doesn't matter. Let's say the 17s only play uh, 15 times in the calendar year. And let's say they only get together four times in the calendar year. If somebody's good enough to be their goalkeeper coach, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that that's the workload, but let's employ that person full time, you know, and, and that's what we're asking of them. Instead, we do it on such a, uh, an ad hoc uh, per diem daily basis crap that doesn't make anybody feel good about, you know, uh, who they can go to because from one camp to the next, it's often different, you know, and that's, excuse me, that's a, that's a problem in and of itself. I think there's, you know, firm um, placement of staff on the senior men's team and pool on the women's team and past that, you know, I don't know, Marco, good friend of mine, takes over the 19s team. It'd be, it, you, you'd, you, you would like to think that he's full-time with the 19s and he'd be able to hire a full-time goalkeeper coach, even if it ends up being for a year or two or three, who knows? But somebody that is going to wake up U.S. national team, go to sleep U.S. national team, and be in contact with the, the pool of, of players that they have available on the men's and women's side. You know, the resources are there by far, but we just don't, we don't do it. Well, and I, I, I think I don't want to look at something in the past with rose colored glasses here, but I do wonder if this was a big advantage of the ODP setup where like it was so regionalized and you had a little bit more of a, the workload was broken up more. Now, I definitely think that like those people weren't full time. So that's still kind of that problem, but I definitely think that sort of setup of like that investment where everyone kind of had a little bit more of like a Phil Wedden put it in a good way of like a goalkeeping team. You know, there's like the structure of multiple coaches working together. 
as opposed to like, okay, well, you're here now, you can do it. And then next month, maybe, who knows? Um, so I do think that was kind of a big plus there. But you know, I, I'm, on, I'm on board with you. Well, let's look forward here. What, what are like, you know, our steps going forward? You know, what has to happen to make Stan Anderson confident of the position going into the World Cup in a reasonable, I mean, like, obviously, like, we could, you know, wave a magic wand, but like, what's our reasonable expectation to be like, hey, like, we need to do these things, these things need to happen, whether it's on a big or small scale, to make you comfortable with the, the number one. Boy, that's a damn good question, Bill. I, I mean it. That's that's a that's a good question. I don't, I don't know. So I'm going to formulate some thoughts, I guess, um, because we're going to have what maybe three games. Is it three? Maybe five that we're going to have before you know they're largely friendlies before the World Cup, I believe. Um, Let me. I'll look that up. You keep going. And if that's the case, you know, then this is not the window of time, sadly, to check out how Steve would do, Stefan would do, Stuber would do, you know, Gaga would do, et cetera, um, Sean a game. And when, you know, if, let's say we have three slash five games, whatever it is, then I think we either, we either settle into a team and that means settling into a goalkeeper as well and kind of locking down that this is going to be our guy going into the World Cup. Now, how does that happen? Well, I think it's it's obviously GGG's decision to make. Who he does it in conjunction with, I don't know. You know, if um, if the the whole staff is involved in that, if the the goalkeeper coach is involved with that, I, I would presume. You know, um, and the, the rest of the staff is involved at at, at some level. Training, you know, you're not going to have many training moments together leading up. Um, so I, for me, I think it's, it's making a decision that this is our guy and then letting them have the full run of, of three games, if it's three, prior to the World Cup and running with that. Now, that, that to me provides some stability for the goalkeeper, for the team, for analysis, uh, see how they're doing and, and going from there versus saying one, one, one. Um, and giving Horvath a game, Turner a game, Stefan a game, you know, who do you give a game when and what type of the, what type is the opponent and all these sorts of things that can, can come into question and into play. Um, for me, the body of work has been there for Turner. So to feel good going into the World Cup is a healthy Matt Turner plays all three games. That's if it's, if it's me making the call and then analyzing those games. And look, if it doesn't pass the, the test, then, you know, sorry, we don't have any other games, but you make a, you make a change. It is what it is. I don't think that the missing of those three games is going to alter somebody's career. Um, meaning if Matt doesn't perform very well, then for me, we're going to a, an Ethan Horvath. And, you know, if, if for some reason we're getting that far, then we're going to a Zach. Um, but I think that that for me, I think you make a decision that um, we are set to go forward with uh, Matt Turner and he's playing these next three games. Do you, do you think there's a world where Stefan could win your confidence back of like, let's say he goes on loan in the fall and just starts, you know, playing really well. How would you feel about that? 
Sure, I think a hundred percent, one hundred percent, absolutely. I'm not. I again, I think he's a. I think he he can be a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, but let's also be honest. I mean, that type of a goal that he gave up recently that you know made it on everybody's handhelds. Um, that's not a. That's that's not a a. It's not a good goal. It's not a good goal for many reasons. For a guy who's supposedly be really good with his feet, that wasn't even a quality first touch. You know, it wasn't like he pinged the ball. It was a bad second touch as well. Like, yeah. was, <laughs> and a bad first touch to have it kill right underneath him. Yeah. To then think he could get away with it and seemed oblivious to it. You know, th that can happen to anybody. I've given up horrific goals, horrific goals. So I, I I understand completely the 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 situation, but I also was never in contention for a World Cup spot. I was never in, in you know getting paid by Man City. Um, Zach Steffen is miles miles better than I ever wished to be. But there's competition for that spot. He's not he is not the the second coming. And I, and I thought even in some ways that he was going to be, I thought he was going to be absolutely off the charts, but I've seen enough mistakes in, the, in a little bit of casual play where it's like, you know, no, I, I just, the stability that, that uh, uh, someone like a Matt Turner brings. Yes. I, I think that's the edge, but certainly if Zach, you know, because of everything he has, the qualities that he has, he goes on loan and performs extremely well. And, you know, cleans up some of his distribution. I'm not talking about just a, a distribution thing here or there, a bad strike here or there. You know, even in Mexico, I was 10 rows behind his goal, watching some of the distribution. I was like, you know, it's just confirming what I what I feel. So if he goes and he cleans up some of those things, 100%, he could be the, the, the clear number one choice. He's by far the best athlete. You know, I have a youngster of ours, uh, Aiden Crawford, in our club who yesterday had a ball, he jumped, he was able to put the ball underneath his left leg from his right hand to his left hand and dunk it over the crossbar. He's just a freak athlete, the kid is. And that's what Zach Steffen is. And so he can do things that the common man can't do. It's unbelievable what he can do. But you've got to eliminate the things that end up really costing you. And otherwise, it, does, it, it just does, it does you no good. I mean, it's like, it's like, oh, wow, that's, oh, wow, that's awful, you know, and, and the position just doesn't allow for that, you know, it, it, it doesn't allow for it for mental health for their own selves, alone how they feel about everybody else feels about them, et cetera. So if he could do it, if he could get alone and, and do extremely well, love him. Absolutely. I think it'd be fantastic. And I would hope Matt could do the same. When, when we consider like a loan, uh, situation that towards a club that would best represent the U.S. I kind of go back and forth thinking, okay, like, would it be better to go to a team that's going to get kind of beat up? So like the Revs is a good example. Like they had to really lean on Turner because, I mean, he was just in, you know, you see that with like San Jose as well, like Marcinkowski is making multiple saves <laughs> a game. Um, yeah. And I kind of wonder, is like, well, is that the type of keeper? Or you look on the on the women's side of the national team, you know, there's games where like Nair isn't making a save, you know, but right. then she's got one big moment to to make. And so 
Alyssa Nayer going from Chicago Red Stars to the national team. Like for me, that's always seemed a little odd because the Red Stars really lean on her, but the national team, you know, you could put a traffic cone back there sometimes because the other team's not going to get there. Now it's not every game, obviously, but I kind of wonder what is the ideal loan situation of prepping a goalkeeper for the national team? Because I think, I wonder if Stefan, some of Stefan's problems are what they're asking for him at Man City aren't translating for the national team. Sure, I think that's entirely possible. I, I know who it's not. It's not Hibernian. Those guys, holy cow, it's shambles over there. And uh, getting rid of, of the coaching staff and then letting Bushy go and then getting Mueller back here. And, uh, and, and those seem to be the problems for them when the problems existed well before they got, they got there and they're still in shambles. So um, if they're going to take a shot at those guys, I'm going to take my shot right back at, at you know, the, it's not a place like that. Um, but, you know, anywhere that, yeah, you're going to face some, some good traffic. Um, it's a, it's a good scenario where there's going to be pressure um, on your position to, to hold it and perform. Um, you know, look, it was good enough for Tim Howard when he went over to Manchester United, right? to ultimately move. And um, so I think you're spot on with what could, could happen for, for Stefan, uh, possibly for Matt as well. Now that they're both over there in the top flight, you know, uh, who knows where that, where that could end up being. Um, you know, I think you want to go somewhere where the standard is high. Does that mean it's a top five league? I don't know. I still, I still rate major league soccer in the sense that, you know, getting your work in, in MLS is, is well good enough. Um, you know, we've got players that feel players that go through MLS that end up in world cup doing extremely well. So it's not a, it's not a bad league as much as everybody tells you it's a bad league. Um, so, you know, I, I think that Matt would have been fine here, but I understand the move to Arsenal. You have, you have one career and that's a great move. Yeah. Yes, I think moving somewhere. I just I don't I don't know where that would be to the championship, to a a, a lower division team or a, a lower team in the table. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Well, I do wonder. You know, I, and I was trying to think earlier, like what would be the best example of this. But I, you know, obviously every goalkeeper has their like strengths and weaknesses, and I, I I think the best example I could come up with, which this may not be fair. But for the type of goalkeeper that would excel on like a top team, but for a team that would really rely on them, like make, you know, making touches on the ball every 30 seconds and a save every five minutes. And, you know, maybe Claudio Brava would have been that for me of like you put him on a top team where he's not having to make a save every five minutes and he can distribute the ball a little more. He seemed to gel in that. But whenever like he got pressed a little more for shot stopping, essentially, that wasn't quite where his strengths lie. So I'm kind of curious of like, whether it's Stefan or someone else, you know, are we really putting them in a position to succeed? You know, what is being asked them at Man City versus the national team? It's different, obviously. Um, so uh, that's the kind of stuff I end up thinking about. But let, let me ping you. Let me ping you with two scenarios, the, just stuff I've read online and just curious on your take. So the first one, and I'm not saying I support any of the, or either of these, but the first one is to put all of our eggs in the Slovenia basket and just say, hey, he's the future. Let's have him start the World Cup. Some people are really on this on the Slovenia train. Um, 
you know, obviously he's getting tied into Poland as well. This would tie him down. Um, what do you say to people who think, hey, like, so Nina's the future. Let's let's put him in the number one spot now. Absolutely not. Absolutely 100% not. It's not fair to Gaga. I love Gaga. Um, the guys at my Keeper Academy did a great job with him. The guys at the fire have done a great job with him. Um, he's, a, he's a very good young goalkeeper with plenty of things to learn, you know. And right now he's doing well as a 17-year-old, first-team selection, not even halfway through a season. Okay, um, to all of a sudden put the the country's future on his shoulders in the World Cup against teams that are twice the level, perhaps three times the level. Absolutely not. He, he you know, there's some cross management issues he's got going on right now anyway. And again, I love the kid. I think he's fantastic. I think he's going to be great. So, you know, does he travel as a as a member of the team as a fourth? you know, to prepare him for um, 26 and 30 and maybe 34 as well. I, you know, who knows? Perhaps. But um, Turner, Horvath, and Stefan are, are well ahead of where Gaga is as a pro today. You know, and, and that is no disrespect to Gaga. I think it's just absolutely ridiculous whoever's floating that around that this should be the World Cup for Gaga. Um, Gabriel, you know, and, and I don't know how many people know him as Gaga or not. I, I think a lot do, but anyway, um, I, think he's, I think he's a fantastic GK. And frankly, he's a fantastic young man who's got his priorities straight as it relates to the, to the, the team itself. I mean, he's a, he is a fan favorite. He connects with the fans. He's got passion towards the badge. All these things are great for him. He's not ready to step into a World Cup first 11 and get a team out of a group and then who knows what happens after that. that he's not ready for that yet, um, in my opinion. And that's who you're asking, I guess. So oh, Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, um, you know, I, I can't help but, like, smile when any time I see anything of him put online, he just seems like a really great kid. I, I've never crossed over with him. But um, – just to give like a little bit more tangibility, what's like a, an, an actual terrible, um, cause I, I think I, I mean, I know what I think, but I'd be curious on your thoughts of like, let's say you put Slovenia in what's like a, what's like a worst case, like roll off from that. Cause I, I don't think people understand like what you're actually putting at, at risk there. Well, you're, you're, you're putting Gaga in at 17, 18 years old against competition that he is, he is yet to face. I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't had a, uh, a cap, a full game with the national team. Is that correct? Correct. If yeah. he has, he's had one. I believe that's accurate. So you're asking now for, you know, to make a change of putting him, let's say in these three build up games to the world cup and then in world cup play, you know, you're, you're, you're putting, I remember Sean had already forgotten, like the night it happened, he had already forgotten about the, the Olympic scenario. Um, when they, when Hamid went out with the injury and Sean gave up a pretty bad late goal. And, you know, I, I texted with Sean and he said, he'd already forgotten about, it. already forgotten about it. That's a pro. 
Um, he had already been a, a pro for a couple of years. Um, it's, it's 10 years ago at this point, And uh, he had already been a pro for a few years. So, uh, and he was a college player as well. You know, Gaga signed at 14 or 15 years old. So, um, you know, you're, 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 you're potentially putting uh, on a guy that pressure at that age when he's not even out of 18 years old playing in the World Cup. And if it does not go well, which I don't know how well it's going to go or not go for the U.S., if they're going to be a full side or not, if all of those players that we all dream about are going to be on the field at the same time and uh, all these sorts of things, you know, that would help Gaga's situation. But for him to carry that team, and if we don't, the, the kind of the, the, the sad scar that would put on, on, a, on a goalkeeper, and perhaps if it's not his best performance as well, he doesn't need that at 18 years old. Uh, for a guy who has a, spe- a special skill set, special talent, I just don't see Turner and others yet. He is also on pace, uh, the other side of my mouth, to potentially have enough clean sheets to like set a record. And, and that's great. You know, and I, and I hope that he does. I really do. But I just don't, I don't, I don't see that he would uh, in any way, shape or form outperform any of the three slash four we've already been discussing um, slash seven, eight, when you add in the, the, the Clarks and the Fries and the Stuvers and, and others. So for me, um, it's not fair to Gaga. It's not fair to the, to the team as well. His time is, is going to be there. But, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought that, I, you know, to, to put it in perspective, I was probably around the same age. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have, have been able to give the opinion. But I wouldn't expect Casey Keller or Brad Friedel at 18, a freshman at UCLA and a freshman at Portland, to be that guy when Miola was a third or a fourth year at Virginia, when Virginia was Virginia. Uh, that's when he was with the national team and, and getting the world, getting the U.S. to the World Cup in 90 under Gansler. So I just think it's unfair to Gaga. Um, and again, it's, it's not because of Gaga's ability, but I, I just I don't think he's, yeah. he's the guy to do that. I, I think there are a few, I don't think there are a ton, but I think there are a few examples where you can point to a player's career where there was almost like a turning point because something went so poorly. And I think it's just more sensitive for a goalkeeper. Um, I think probably ones that come off the top of my head are, uh, I don't know if you remember the young Belgian who played for Benfica a few years ago, who got into a Champions League game and, and made a terrible error. And he's uh, Miles Spillar, uh, I think is how you say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Karis with Liverpool is another good example where like, you know, you, you have these goalkeepers who have this terrible game and uh, they're never able to quite get out from under it, whether that's on their own end, whether that's from the press, whether that's from, you know, the right. club or the national team. Um, you know, there's, I actually, you know what, and I don't think it's fair. And I, I don't agree with it, but I know a lot of people feel that way about Steve Clark um, when he was in the, um, what was the first MLS Cup that he was in? Yes. yes. You know, and like, and that one's really frustrating because, like, you know, he has the terrible error that uh, with Columbus in the uh, the opening minute, but later on in the game makes multiple good saves. The opposing goalkeeper, um, Carse, like messes up on another goal. Like, 
you know, but he gets this label that like, oh, like, uh, can we trust him? And I don't think that's fair. I don't think, I don't even think that's a good example, but I do Kevin think that Hartman had one as well. Yeah. Kevin yeah. Hartman yeah. had one in an MLS cup. I, that one was, yeah, that was kind of a wild there. Damn good goalkeeper, you yeah. know, and, Absolutely. but our, our mistakes linger with us a hell of a lot longer than they do with anybody who missed a sitter or even missed a penalty. Yeah. You know, everybody thinks it's easy to do what we do and it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, but at the end of the day, I, you know, that's kind of the essence of, a, I would not wish that upon Gaga. I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't. And, you know, are the other guys more capable? I just, I think they're more capable goalkeepers right now. I also think they're more mature in their game and Gaga's Gaga's got the maturity of a 45 year old. I mean, this guy's, this guy's fantastic. What a quality young man. Um, credit to Katarzyna, his mom as well. I mean, uh, Nick, the brother, is a fantastic player also. So, you know, Slaninas are, are doing pretty well from the footballing standpoint in their own house. Um, his time will come. It's, I, I just don't think it's now by any stretch. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, leave me the, sec- the second of two scenarios. How do you feel about splitting time? I, I think I have an idea where you're going to say this, but splitting time for the World Cup group stages. So to just give you a little bit of info. So first of all, we only have four scheduled games uh, for the before the World Cup. We've got friendlies against Morocco and Uruguay. You know, the Uruguay game, I think that's going to be a little bit of a challenge. But then we have two Nations League games against Granada and El Salvador, which I think those will be mostly walk in the parks. Um, so basically, they're running out for the World Cup for the national team pretty, pretty thin there. Uh, the 2016 Copa America, Mexico played three different goalkeepers uh, in their three group stage games and went through uh, only allowing two goals in the three games. Uh, Venezuela, Uruguay, Jamaica, not a super easy group. Uh, and then they get knocked out in the groups or the, the knockout stages to Chile, losing 7 0, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but some people are pushing for splitting time. Um, and I would be curious on your thoughts on that because I, I know that is kind of a divisive issue. Yeah. So splitting time of in those four games. Oh, no, no. For like the World Cup itself. For, okay. So once we get to Qatar. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it can happen. I remember talking to Tony Sani after um, maybe it was eight or eight. Maybe it was 02. It was 02, I think. It was 02. And um, when they went to the final eight, you know. And uh, I don't remember. I think Friedel may have had all the games. I'm not, I'm not positive. I'd have to, oh. to check on that. But I know he was the number one. Um and Tony and I had some talks, and I'll just leave those as that he and I had some talks when he got back into town. But at the end of the day, um, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be terribly upset about that. I don't I don't love it, you know. I don't think you drop form to to have that happen. But you know, there there might be a reason here or there, maybe to tactically make a change. I'm not a big believer in it. Um, you know, oh, they, they, it's a lot of wide plays better on cross management. Maybe, you know, fair enough. Um, but the reality is, is that, you know, when that cross comes in, is it usually a first time, first time crack a goal or is it knocked down? And now we're dealing with the second phase inside the box and, uh, what have you. Um, so, you know, that ball came from wide last night in the SCCL and it was, uh, Morris uh, who slotted it back into the D and then it was slotted 
back towards the far post and finish near post. And so, yeah, it started wide, but, you know, so I don't, I don't know that there's really a tactical reason to do it, but you know, if, if the, the battle is that close and you're not losing anything by doing it and communication doesn't end up being a problem, that's probably the biggest thing for me is, all right, are they on the same page communication wise? You know, are, they, are people responding the same way uh, via run of play, you know, and, and set piece management and, you know, all these sorts of things. Are the seams getting closed when they need to get closed? And are we standing people up and steering the play outside? And, you know, is that happening for everybody? You know, I can look at a, a pool of goalkeepers that I've been blessed to work with um, at UIC. And I would simply look at that and go, you know, some of them talk at the right time and communicate and some of them don't. So if that's the case, then you've got to think about why would we be doing such a thing? If you're getting a positive from either, either, either selection, then sure. You know, I, 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 it wouldn't be my number one choice, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be bummed, you know, with three games, it's hard to go, well, you know, what are you going to do? Game and a half each, or you're obviously going to go two and one. You'd think whoever gets the two is going to be your, your guy. If you get out of group play, or do you just go game by game and go game on game off? And then we'll see who's got the third game. You know, maybe that's the way, you, the way you go about it. Um, Greg's got his hands full with that one. I, for me, I'd, I'd like to go in with a, with a goalkeeper, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think for everyone, the idea is that like the starting goalkeeper can can carry the load. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense to break it up if you've got one who can do it. I think, the only way that it really makes sense to me and I I'm I don't think it's always a solution because obviously like you know I don't this makes sense to shoehorn something that is atypical but the only way I could see this working for us is if all three came in a little shaky which I do think is a possibility of you take those three coming in maybe they've gotten some cup games here and there but none of them have great form I could see a scenario where they say, okay, like, hey, um, we have to look at the, the our, our, our lineup here. Um, you know, maybe, uh, okay, Stefan, like, you're going to take, um, I'm trying to think of the one that would make most sense. Like, you're going to take the the uh, Iran game and Turner, we're going to let you take the England game because we're going to expect to be seeing a lot more shots. And Horvath, you're going to get the first game, you know, and y'all, like, we're not really getting y'all aren't in good form right now. Just focus on your one game, and then we kind of go from there. I don't think that's an ideal scenario, but you know, I wouldn't be totally against it if all of our goalkeepers are a little, you know, not move, not having great momentum at the moment. But you know, I think for most people, it's it's. I think the the big problem with this is if anything goes wrong with it, then you've got this big target on your back of like, well, why did you do that? It's like, well. <laughs> So I get sure. that. We give too much, too much of a voice to, to you know, perhaps people like me, like you, like others, critics, and uh, what have you. And and um, you know, I, I I'd like to think it's it's just a little bit of analysis and and insight. But uh, at the end of the day, you, what you want to do, uh, I think you're well aware of this, is you want to make 
all three of them going into the World Cup feel like a million bucks. Feel like they're all performing at the at the most elite level and hiding any deficiencies and not um, accentuating those deficiencies and and letting any of them know you know we're not all performing that well we're all we're all going to get a game and you know in, instead you know take the leadership role and say okay this is this is our plan this is what we're going to do and we're gonna we're gonna analyze the group after this and have everybody show the quality, uh, quality play that you, we all know that you have capable of, of, uh, of putting on the field. Here's our chance. Let's, uh, let's get us ready for the world cup. Put your best match out there. Um, you know, and see how it goes from there. But, you know, at the end of the day, if the decision is mine and I have autonomy there, we're, 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 we're settling in on a goalkeeper now. And that goalkeeper is playing those four games if available, club restrictions, et cetera. And that goalkeeper is, is then playing in the World Cup. And if something happens in that window of time, injury, performance, otherwise, it's enough of a sample size to maybe make a change. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fair. I, I mean, I now that I'm thinking about it, I think we will probably pick up a couple more friendlies, so it shouldn't just be four. I know typically they have those tune-up games before the World Cup. So we're probably looking at, like, a few more tacked on that I just don't see on the official schedule here. So there's that, but no, makes sense. Makes sense with me. All right, Sam, well, closing thoughts. What do you, what do you wrap us up with here on the, on the number one spot here with the, the national team? What, what, how do we close out here? Boy, I, I hope that we gain some momentum in, in both just what we, what we're hearing from the side, what we're hearing from. And what I mean by that is, are some of these guys coming back? Is Reina being stable? Is, you know, is Weston, who looked like he was on the training ground the other day, are, are, is that happening? And then from the goalkeeper side, you know, what's uh, what's what's next for from an analysis standpoint for Matt, for Horvath, for Zach? You know, is he going to get any more cup games? Is there? going to be any excuse me any other opportunity for him to show um among any of the others as well uh you know sean's going to be daily or weekly in and out uh not not out he's going to be in um so you know i i just hope for some from some positive vibes out of the the pool of players and then come you know when we when we are able to to get together that you know it, it, i'm asking for utopia mm-hmm. but that we we all back the the national team, and this is coming from a guy who said he what that we weren't going to qualify. So I get it, but now we have, and so that is shifted. And with that being shifted, I just hope that energy is like you know, okay, let's let's keep going in, in that direction because I, I I do believe that the 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 country has enough talent to go ahead and and win a World Cup. I don't know that that's this round or th- this you know 22 but i don't think we're as far off as we were in 02 you know when we got the furthest that we've gotten uh which was to the round of eight and losing to germany i think it was the germany um on a pretty bad call on the end line as well a handball um but i, I think we were pretty good with a, a lot of domestic players a lot of college players on that team as well 
Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think we did, we did pretty well. We were supposed to be further along. So let's show that we're further along. Uh, the rest of the world's further along also. But for me, I'd, I'd like to see just some, some stable quality performances coming out of the group uh, in these build-up games and um, selection of players be readily available and then settling in on a GK to, to kind of carry us, us through. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think one of the big things we got going for us here is that I, I was trying to double check here as I was going through and I, I feel mostly confident with this statement, but I don't think we've ever had a world cup where the goalkeeping was the problem. Um, now I think we can go back and look at some of those goals. I think that they were a little soft here and there, but I would say for the most part, and I'd have to really double check that idea, but um, yeah, I, I think optimistically we have this, uh, this aura and this like overconfidence, like, yeah, the, the goalkeeping will be there. So is that going to be enough to push us over the finish line? We'll find out. But I think for me, that's like a good place to be like, yeah, like when it comes down to when like the chips are on the table, like the goalkeepers are ready to go. Um, I would like, readily admit that I don't think that that's the case with Zach Steffen right now. I'm sorry to say it. No, I miss I really, I'm not. It doesn't please me to, to say that by any means. But I think maybe in group play, Zach gets away with some of the things that he got away with in that final yeah. um, final phase of qualifying, yeah. final window. But I don't think we get away with those things once you're out of group play and you're in the knockout stage. I, I think you get punished in a in a 1-0 game. And it doesn't matter that you make three great saves after the gaff. We don't get a goal. And I don't know if we're good enough to go, it's all right. You know, we had a we had a gaff in the 15th minute from Zach. We're gonna go get two yeah. against Argentina.